0: Mishka Sherbali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Yes. Hi, hello, how are you? Um, hey, it's it's Mishka. It's me. You know who it is. Um Man, uh interesting time. The I went down to Bisbee. Um weekend before last and had a had a delightful time um i got to hang out with an incredibly uh talented and gifted comedian in uh in Bisbee, who uh who you all know christine levine um she's fucking excellent and uh and yeah then just uh just came home to to just a, a rock solid bummer um that i'm not not even going to go into here i'm not even going to talk about the but man it's uh i feel so grateful to be at a point in my life where be driving along in your car still the same by bob seger comes on the radio and just just white hot tears of fury the um It's yeah, it's a good time. The, and also the, these may be my final words. I, um, we had a water leak here or something so that they sent a utility person out to check my water meter to see what was going on. And he didn't replace the, like the stone that's covering the meter itself. So I went to, uh, to put it back and accidentally like tore back the nail on my pinky finger. And, uh, it started bleeding an incredible amount, which was actually kind of a comfort to me at the time. And now it's, um, I don't know, we'll put up an online poll. Does this look infected to you? The Yeah, no, it's hideously infected. And I'm trying to figure out if I just clip off that that knuckle, if I go with the whole finger, or if I go with the hand and get one of those cool steel hooks. Yeah, the... um. You, you still with me? You still with me? Um, we do have some great podcasts in the pipeline. Uh, Joe Cardamone, uh singer from Icarus Line, and a collaborator of Mark Lanigan. His podcast is coming up soon. Uh, Roberto Bentivena, um, who wrote Book of Gucci, my beloved friend star Anna an incredible songwriter uh who I've been to hell and back with several times uh in a little Toyota minivan um her podcast is coming up soon too um but also while I was down in um or I was I was down in Bisbee then on the way back I stopped in Tucson to see my friend Jake Flores uh in one of his uh his his final tour dates opening up for uh 90s alt rock legends eve 6 um so we uh we recorded a, it's weird it's weird to have jake be responsible for i don't know 2/15ths of the podcast so far um jake 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 i love jake the i um jake's a comedian podcaster brilliant dude um you know we we've become really good friends and i miss him terribly and actually was like it was fucking with me listening back to this podcast cuz it it feels like we're in the same room together again um and like i had a friend the but we had a one of the reasons why i felt inclined to uh to have him back on the podcast and why i felt like i had to capture this moment is because he just uh just went through this like really crazy tour with um with Eve 6 where he's uh effectively sort of emceeing or doing you know doing the first set um and the, or he's performing first so kicking off the show then the opening band goes then he does another set and then Eve 6 goes up um So it's a lot of work for one tiny little comedian. And Jake sure was tuckered when I saw him. I've been trying to get him to smoke DMT with me for years, and I even muled some down to Tucson, but he would not do it with me because he is a bad friend, um, and I will never, never forgive him. Um, But, uh, so yeah, I hope you dig uh, this podcast, and... I hope this week gets better. Um, all right, enjoy the the podcast and goodbye forever. Uh, all right, check your mic. Check, check. Hey, what's up? This are is you, how I talk. Are you sure you're? Uh, are you sure you're comfortable there, Jake? <laughs> I mean, I might
1: turn upside normal at some point but yeah i'm feeling pretty good the
0: um do you need a pillow or anything nah, or would me. You like a pillow no i'm good it's like a? <laughs> would you like a CPAP smear <laughs> i would like a CPAP. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like a uh the hose that just (laughs) feeds you pbr all night (laughs) so you can drink shitty beer for eight hours and wake up
0: drunk and that's that's how he made a million (laughs) dollars the um hi hello jake and welcome uh welcome back to the mishka shibali podcast our first repeat guest what's uh, up good to be back (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about this big dumb tour that you've been on yeah hell yeah i uh i think i speak for most of your friends when i say we're so disappointed that you've done so well (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah
1: i uh i hadn't really considered what my friends were thinking about how well i was going to do on this tour you never think about us (laughs) that does make sense that you were uh, like awaiting a spectacular like spectacle of failure that would be fun to watch if I was from your point of view I think so yeah lay down let's both lay down in this
0: hotel room to this podcast (laughs) we can't we we fail we fell short of doing the pool cast so we might as well just well let's Let's just lay lay here with our clothes off and not do anything. The, would you like a back rub? The, you, do you see a handprint there on the fucking ceiling? Yeah. Oh yeah, great hotel room. Man. Are we on tour right now? <laughs> this is this is the best that Amazon money can buy. <laughs> the um no it 's weird i like i 've been talking about this with a bunch of people that i 've had on because i don 't know if you 've been tuning in, but i 've been having very fancy guests, uh not just louisa mm-hmm. um, but also louisa and um but I, the the river that runs through this podcast is just me uh feeling horrible jealousy for my friends <laughs> the um I don't know and it's weird and it sucks but the um but I feel like you've made it through this or actually let me rephrase that I hope to poison your last 3 shows and watch your tour end in a uh, career ending fireball by saying congratulations Jake you've made it <laughs> you're you're home free buddy yeah uh i have made it which i think you're
1: right inevitably if i know anything about rock and roll history it means me the eve six guy and like the guy from papa roach are all gonna die in a plane crash on the way back home or something hold on let me get the dmt ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: jamie go get the dmt jamie look that up <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll have my intern get the dmt <laughs> yeah. the um, non-fungible dmt <laughs> Yeah, the I don't I mean, how's it been? How do you feel now? The cause I know that you w- were anxious and depressed beforehand and that it was like, I don't know, a pretty steep learning curve.
1: Um, I was stressed out because there because someone did me a great favor by booking me on this. And when someone does something like that your job is to show up and do the thing that they asked you to do and I I know this is like a cliche in millennial culture and also in artist culture but I do I do find myself struck with imposter syndrome from time to time and going you know do I know how to talk about art non-stop uh sure I have a bunch of podcasts where i talk about creativity and stuff and then there's always this like thing of like but do you actually make anything do you know how to do this or are you just like uh like a critic and an observer and stuff and sometimes when i don't do a show for a while but i do tons of like episodes of why you mad or whatever i do kind of go like I wonder if I'm about to eat my hat and prove that I have no idea what I'm actually talking about, and then like I'll have these sets where like um like one one thing that happened when Louisa was running a show last year is that she she we had a good laugh because she booked me on it and then she and then i we both were really tense and then i did a set and then i did really well and when i came off i went up to her and i was like are you were you worried i was gonna bomb too and she was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like i it's fucking stressful because with stand-up there's no drum set in front of you there's no guitar there's no thing you literally could just forget how to do it you know yeah and like and you would be all of your haters would be proven right in that moment if you were like oh wait i don't know how to fucking do this so like i think i was just processing all of my worst case scenarios and everything before this tour started and really like wanted to make sure i earned the amount of money that i was about to get and also like you know d- this you know everything could lead to another thing or whatever so like i didn't want to show up and do the bare minimum and just go have that was a great tour and then nothing ever happens after this i want to impress people who are coming to these shows and shit i want to like have this you know lead to other work and stuff so yeah i was like completely turning myself i almost said inside out like the fucking eve six song um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's, I felt like my heart was in a blender, you know? You're off the tour. The tour the, that's it. The, it's,
0: I, I, was, um, I was thinking while you're talking, because uh, I had to do something. And uh, <laughs> I, it made me think about how, like, when, um, when I was a kid, and uh, y- you feel like everything is um, leading up to the moment where you get laid the um where you have sex and i i i was like practicing to prepare <laughs> to make sure that i was ready and i remember uh i remember buying a uh a condom at the conoco vending machine and in hindsight i'm like oh that was a novelty it was the french tickler with the like studs on the side <laughs> and i like practiced putting it on and taking it off and, put it <laughs> and, and I was like nine and i was like i'm ready you know, the, and the there's sometimes practice is what you need. And but also the but also sometimes practice is the is the opposite is it's like the opposite of the thing. And, I, I, you know, I think what I was doing was um, actually like preparing for a life as an incel <laughs> <laughs> and then you know, thank God it went the other way. Um, well, I th- I think it's an apt
1: metaphor, because especially the way that I make stuff. I don't like to sit around and premeditate. I just throw myself into it and then I start to notice all of these microscopic things that I can tweak while I'm doing it. Are we not recording?
0: No, no, no. We're we're gone. Okay. Keep going.
1: Um I'm inside you. Keep going. Um, <laughs> this feels good, right? Yeah, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm very good at this.
1: Ooh, is that ribbed? Well, <laughs> that feels great. Um <laughs> so I I was thinking about the I was actually thinking about this in a really similar way um once the tour started moving because after a few shows I figured out I had it's like I had all these pieces of this thing laid out on a table and then after I did it a couple times I went oh this goes here and this goes here and this goes here and I turned it into a like a a pretty good act I think that is like now if you saw any of After the fourth or fifth show, if you saw the show twice, I'd be doing the same material, basically. Like, I figured out what this is, and I feel like a weight has been lifted off, because I I didn't want to just show up and just do, like, stand-up. A lot of comics would have shown up, just done their act, and then been like, ugh, these rock and roll people don't like me, or whatever. I play to the moment when I do something, and, like, I had to figure out exactly, you know, how to engage with... And this isn't the same people every night, but it's the same type of people. So, like, I figured that out. But what I was thinking about when I was – um, when I got to, like, I don't know, like Atlanta or something like that where I kind of, like, felt like everything locked into place – As I was like, man, I wish I could go back and do the first date over again, which was Austin, because now I have the show figured out. And I was thinking about that David Tell joke where he goes, don't you ever wish you could go back and have sex with the first person you ever had sex with again to (laughs) prove how good you got at it? (laughs) (laughs) Because that's exactly what it feels like. Like, I kind of feel like... The first show. I, I think I've actually done that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> like for that reason. <laughs> I uh, no,
0: I was just doing the math in my head, and I was like, "Oh shit!" The um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I
1: do feel like the first on a tour, the a first town, I feel a little bad for because I'm like, you are. I'm losing my virginity with you (laughs) in a sense. (laughs) It's not going to be as good
0: as it is for the 10th town or whatever. The, I mean, the great thing about, when you were going into this, the, um, I think I had a lot less anxiety than you did because I didn't have to do anything. And also the, um, having done um, a million terrible shows in a million different terrible settings, uh, I knew that um that like you were the right dude for the job and that and that you would figure it out it was just a question of like um how long it would take you to figure it out and how um how much emotional torture you would subject yourself to before you got it dialed but the the awesome thing now is that uh, <laughs> you because you did the work you've crafted a an eve six uh specific set that's gonna work perfectly in this situation and never again
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's what's so funny about ending a tour like that is i mean that's even kind of true of just a regular tour like i don't know why it's not it technically shouldn't be true because material when you're just doing stand-up should just be material but like every tour is like its own specific little moment and like sometimes i'll go through an old set list or something and I'll be like, I want to pick up like an old joke that I really liked telling you three years ago and it's like dead. Like I can't bring it back to life. I'm like this moment is gone for whatever reason and you just have to fucking come up with new shit and I think that's why I was so stressed out because I was like, in theory, knowing I had this tour coming up, I had like six months or something to write new material and I kind of did but it wasn't like it was like coming up with a bunch of shit and not really knowing whether it was going to work until I got to the thing. And then like 90% of the fucking work happened in the first show of figuring out, oh, this one's going to land and this one doesn't. And then, oh, part of this part of this one kind of works. And like, but I was like going crazy because I was like, in theory, you know how to write jokes You write <laughs> just sit down and fucking do it like in theory you could just write an hour like off the dome but that's not actually how it works you have to like write by doing and there are a lot of different ways to do comedy but in New York where I live it's like the shows are a certain way and none of them no matter where I went no show was going to be the same as these shows so like I, there's just a lot of faith going on there and just hoping like over all these years I've built like an intuition for knowing going in blind like this wallet chain joke I wrote is going to hit. And it did. <laughs> You'll see it tonight. <laughs> I've got a
0: really great wallet chain joke that I wrote kind of for this. <laughs> the Most of my friends have stories about like learning how to drive stick And it just involves like being in a parking lot in a pickup truck with their dad, like just yelling at them all day. Yeah. And the way that I learned to drive stick was in 1986, Nissan Sentra with my mom and the, um, I got in the car and she got on the passenger side and and I sort of like looked at her and she said, well, I know how to drive manual, but I don't really know how to tell you how to drive manual. So, I'm just going to sit here and love you and tr- <laughs> know that you're going to figure it out. <laughs> and, and I feel like that's way more sadistic than like my dad just being like, you fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You know, the, um, but it's, I mean, it's funny because that's kind of what you had to do was just sort of say, I know that I know how to do this. And then I'm just going to, um, you know, just keep fuck the spaghetti thing, just keep the fucking throwing at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. But every night it's a different wall.
1: Yeah, well, it is and it isn't. I mean, this, in theory, on tour, we're, a, I mean, there's different humans every night, but it's the same audience. You know what I mean? I get to town, yeah. I look at the crowd before I go on, I go, that's uh, okay, most of these people are, people who listened to Eve six because it was on the radio and they lived their lives very uncuriously. And I'm going to have to f- grab these people a little bit because they're definitely not here for a comedian. Oh, there's a fucking person with like checkered overalls on. They're here for the queer ska band. I'm going to lean into them because they're going to be really nice to me. Um There's some weirdo from Twitter. He came for me. That's gonna be obviously easy, you know? And then here's like some other random people who are like into Eve Six's newer stuff, so they're like a different they're cool. That guy's gonna fight me. And these are all archetypes, you understand? These yeah, are not yeah. from one show. Every show there is like these people guy, or whatever. Yeah. So like it's weird because I, I I I somehow created a thing that does it is scientifically repeatable. For this exact
0: situation, the are you doing like uh 90s topical humor? Like, are you doing like uh Tamagotchi jokes? (laughs) I have a wallet chain joke, yeah. I just like (laughs) I was thinking of like the throwing myself back to that time and like oh god, I mean, it's funny, it's funny though, too, because um. You're not just like an outsider on the tour. Max is an outsider on his own tour because the the sort of incurious radio listeners don't know his second act as the guy from Eve Six on twitter yeah the so he's I feel like he's drawing from um war maybe warring factions, yeah. You know, of just the people who are like, yeah, we used to fucking hotbox to this song all the time, <laughs> you know, the other and other people who are like, you know, Viva revolution or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kind of reminds me of touring with you the way you would have these like young drunk guys and you'd be like. I don't drink alcohol anymore. (laughs) So so crestfallen. But you're like, but here's the song about getting drunk and being sad that you want to hear. And then also, um, Hey, maybe buy my book
0: about, you know, sobriety or whatever after the show. And yeah. And let's go running. (laughs) It is one of those the like haven't met Max yet. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But <laughs> I don't know why I'm being catty. <laughs> the, um, but the, it's. I think that I like him, and I want him to have a good time and to have like a success, successful tour and stuff like that. And also, it's uh, it's like a weird kind of curse that um, may you uh, capture the spirit of the moment so well that you can ride that wave in, you know, in another moment where it's a totally different spirit and you're a different person and the, you know, what you were talking about, like the, it's like the audience is always the same, but I'm no longer me. Yeah. You know, the... Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's a, a fucking weird experience. I mean, not that I'm not that Eve six was necessarily a band that was like, you know, fucking pass me the Drano, the, <laughs> but, um, but there is a certain amount of like rock and roll excess that everybody expects.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, this band it has hardcore fans and I'm meeting them every night and it's funny to me because I am not from that world and i forget i mean it's weird that you forget because famous bands are famous of course they have hardcore fans but we all yeah. think no 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 the coolest band is the one that's like this niche thing that no one's ever heard of that i know about or whatever and like it's kind of eye-opening every night and making me realize like of course there's like tons of people like this but they're um but they are like a little bit older and like you know, are reliving something when they come and watch this band that I think the the band itself is not necessarily still living, but they also understand that it is their job to give that show to those people. But there's, I mean, we're also using a lot of the, like the lingo, like Punishers and stuff like that, that me and you would throw around on tour and stuff and sort of talking about this and like talking about the uh, the part of the job that is somewhat feigning enthusiasm because these people are having the best night of their lives and uh you were that quote that sam talent opens his book with from the mortal Co- from yeah, street yeah, fighter movie honda it's uh m bison this oh. when m bison graced your village for you is the greatest day of your life and for me it was just a tuesday you know <laughs> we've been talking about that a lot and uh going like you know that that's part of entertainment but also like with also the second level thing where max is a socialist and is outspoken and is purposely booking people that challenge his audience uh something really interesting is happening which is i think that that takes a great amount of integrity and it's really cool and it's also happening because this person has been a professional artist for a long time and is probably just bored with not challenging the show to some degree and also a lot of the audience is too drunk and stupid <laughs> to even fucking get that it happened so like people still make it through the whole show without ever knowing they never read twitter i don't know they're on facebook or something and like it doesn't even matter so it's it feels like this huge risk sometimes and it's like these people are just going to come th- th- come out put their zippo lighter in the air and ask to hear the heart in the blender song no matter what so you kind of can beat them over the head
0: with stuff it is i you know i i talk about this all the time but it, it is sort of like the the um angel is the centerfold uh you know episode of twilight zone where um you know the um you know the gift of the magi or whatever you know that like may you write a song that's such a big hit that you can sort of keep playing it for the rest of your lives and then resent it deeply. Yeah. You know, the um but uh I mean I I don't know, these guys seem to go into it with the right amount of um gratitude and um and this is our job, you know. If if you go to see the fucking Jay Giles band, they don't play Angel as a centerfold, you fucking riot yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's like we're not trained monkeys but we also are like you gotta deliver the goods
1: don't get too lofty about yourself as an artist like especially if you want to keep making all the money that you're expecting to make you should know what you're doing for in exchange for that money you know and i think with them there's like a healthy amount of like like you'll hear the banter tonight there's a lot of like okay you know we played we're gonna definitely gonna play the fucking bangers but also here's this new song please you know um please uh indulge us while we play a new thing or whatever and uh i really like their new stuff so for me i'm always like no you got it (laughs) backwards you know (laughs) play the new stuff but but i think that they're like i mean it's weird you see this that's just the job of being a performer you know i didn't meet this guy until the the day we did the first show. But as soon as he started saying stuff like that, I was like, I've met this person before. This is, mm-hmm. we're in a line of work. You know, we all understand this sort of stuff.
0: It's, um, it's funny. Cause like we know each other pretty well. The, but also we, um, you know, there's the Venn diagram of, like, where our worlds overlap, and that's the stuff that we interact about and, you know, um, and talk about, and the um, we have a personal relationship as friends, and then there's the stuff that, like, um, you know, I, I feel like the shit that we joke about on the road, you know, like, oh, when my dick unfolded last night, there was a weird thing that happened, you know, <laughs> that just, like, personal... Um, asides but then from listening and i don't even listen to uh to pot i should listen to Podcast i don't America, care it doesn't but matter. the um i make the, nine thousand podcasts and you don't have having to a podcast too it's like emotional am way like you know please uh please enjoy my uh my L- mlm where i talk about my feelings you know <laughs> um but but listening to the like the disc the leftist Um, socialist discourse with Louisa, with you guys talking about capitalism and the, and then sort of stitching um, your political beliefs into your humor. Uh, I don't know the, I I can't, I can't remember who I talked to because I've had so many versions of these conversations with different comedians, you know, the, but like, what is, what is the obligation of a comedian to um there's all these like bill um bill hicks george carlin fetishists who mm-hmm. are like though Oh, the comedians are the real leaders and it's like no i i feel like a comedian's first job is to make you laugh yeah you know and and once they do that job then there's tertiary jobs that that we can also do you know the um but I don't know if there's a question at the end of this. I just uh, the I wonder if, I mean, I I guess I I was thinking about my shtick and like what I used to do on stage and and most of it's about like, not. about not being a villain, but being like a cad, you know, like yeah. like not being a great dude. The um and it's all send up, folks. The um, (laughs) I'm actually a prince. No, the but you know, like leaning into that um sort of like Steve Dallas character. Um, that was a weird reference. (laughs) Um, but I don't know. Do you? What are you thinking about being able? Your jobs of being being able to make. People laugh at jokes in bars so they want to buy more drinks. And then also I think what is a greater responsibility or or like a a calling that you've answered or that you've taken on of like upending capitalism or at least showing people, you know, how it's fucking bleeding us all out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like um, I don't like a lot of comedians who think of their job as like spoon feeding wisdom or knowledge to people because it gets very like self-aggrandizing and usually if they lead with that they aren't very funny and they're kind of condescending and stuff like that. Um, I think you're right about the fact that your first job is just to connect, like no matter what you're doing, whether it be music or with comedy, connecting means usually laughter, right? Or some, you know, evocation of like a feeling of humor. Some things are just clever, you know, not gut busting laughing, but there's still something going on there with comedy. And then you can do all this other stuff. I don't think a comedian's job is to do one thing or the other past that other than like, um yeah other than just connecting and then you're kind of free to do whatever you want even the concept of like comedians having a job is capitalism being in your head and going this is a job right uh therefore you know you are paid to do a thing so do that that's that's also just weird w- way of thinking about it art is like kind of you know it's play you know it's like uh, it's supposed to be for fun so like i think um I don't know. Let's talk about you for a minute. When I, because I, cause I <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really, I'm a fan. I'm here because I'm a fan of yours, and I saw you when I was a young man, and what you were doing spoke to me, and it had nothing to do with political ideology or uh, any of the stuff that I'm kind of jamming on. It was deeply personal, and art does things in all those, all of these realms, you know, and it like helped me. I don't know what... I still don't know what exactly was happening when I listened to your music and... I don't think (laughs) it helped you, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, help maybe is not the right word, but it made me feel stuff that I enjoyed. And, like, um, I don't even know if... This also might be capitalist thinking, thinking everything needs to be productive. Like, maybe it wasn't productive, but I just fucking liked it, you know? Uh, it spoke to me, and uh, that's why uh, I continued like to follow you and bother you, and then go on tour with you and stuff, and uh, you know, do a podcast in a hotel room in Tucson in the year 2022. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think like, um, I guess I don't, I don't think that there's that much of a difference between what you and I are doing it's just that what we're making is imbued with the things that we think about and I I can't not think I can't not think all the way to the end of a thing I'm thinking about and have it come back all the way to the history of human society that's Uh where my brain lands if we start talking about the hotel room we're in eventually I'm gonna go well you know why it is built this way and why it's in this part of town and stuff. And it's going to go all the way back to world war two somehow. That's just like how my brain kind of functions or whatever. So like this, the, when you watch my act and there's like, you know, weird anti-capitalist stuff in it, it's not deliberate. It's just coming through. Cause this is all I think about. And it's something that I've had my fucking eye on forever by nature of, like, who I am and where I'm from and stuff like that. Like, you know, in a lot of ways, like, people always accuse me, oh, you're overly political or whatever. And it's like, well, my life is political, you know? Half my family's immigrants from Mexico, and, like, my there's a lot of weird economic and health stuff going on. Like, I don't really have this thing that people kind of have where you turn it off and let's go watch a Marvel movie and just goof off right i kind of even if i go watch a marvel movie i'm gonna be thinking about it through these lenses because i just like that's what's happening in my brain so like you know i it's there i don't consider myself an evangelist it does make me really happy when people come up to me and they're like hey i listen to why you mad and i'm a communist now or whatever (laughs) like literally just got a text from somebody that was like i used to be a liberal and now i'm a full-on leftist or whatever because of that podcast and i like that because it means that we're connecting and I'm spreading some ideas and maybe on some level that's part of like a project maybe I don't know but I think it's more just like it just makes you feel good to know people like understand your your what you're saying through your art or whatever you know
0: yeah man it was a, a lot to respond to there the it's funny because like you and louise always uh speak in paragraphs and i think it's um so admirable that louisa can sometimes listen all the way through <laughs> I, have to, I have to i have to put as many digs in in here for her that just in hopes that then she'll listen um that um no the it's I remember having a conversation with my friend's parents when, um, when I was whatever twenty or twenty one. I think they they like came into town and they took us out to a, like a really nice restaurant, and the and this is nothing against them; incredibly nice people. But um, my friend's dad said, um, "Oh, we're not rich. You know, we we never think about money." And I was like, "Motherfucker, it's all that I think about. Yeah. You know that it's um, it, it's like." Oxygen, like you don't think about it when you're getting enough, and when you're not, you're like, "Fuck, I'm yeah. drowning." You know the um. So I, I, you know, I I definitely agree that, I don't know, I agree that not being political, not engaging in politics, not having a meaningful you know relation or a a meaningful discourse with politics is you know yeah absolutely a sign of privilege. The but I mean I I think I fear that. Um, I so early and so often, I don't know. I always concern myself with the personal at the, to the exclusion of the political Yeah. that I was so focused on my, um, on the shit that I was going through the, and it's weird because when I, when I look back at the stuff that I've created and the stuff that I've written, I feel like it's all just incredibly selfish Like, I, I'm just like, I feel bad and I, and I feel bad about feeling bad because I feel bad and I'm going to put it to music. The, and, and then one of the weird things that I've found is that, um, it's a great comfort, uh, for somebody who's feeling bad to hear that somebody else is feeling bad too. (laughs) Yeah. So, So it's like, I did this incredibly selfish thing that then accidentally helped people.
1: I don't know. I mean, I always think about this this phrase that uh, the author Kim Stanley Robinson said, because Kim Stanley Robinson writes novels. He's kind of this weird leftist sci-fi writer, and he writes novels about, like, um, the entire planet, you know, like in the future, terraforming Mars or something like that. A
0: dystopian future with a comedian on a tour bus.
1: (laughs) No, it's the opposite (laughs) of dystopia. It's utopian. Um, Well, his books are. (laughs) What I'm doing is dystopian for sure. Dystopian, son. (laughs) (laughs) But he always said, um, Mm. the reason he writes these novels with these huge, vast stories and casts and stuff like that is because the novel itself is a bourgeois form of art. And so what he's talking about is like after, Um, the, you know, after the, after feudalism fell and then there was the bourgeois revolution that created the world that we live in, our minds kind of changed. Art changed. Art went from being like, I don't know, whatever it was during feudalism, you know, this thing that happens in the King's court to like people suddenly had this autonomy and were living, you know, in the beginning, you know, white rich guys or whatever, but people living in cities like had suddenly lives they lived and then time to sit down and write these stories that were about individual experiences which was new to history at that point and like the you know the the, the story of if you understand what marx is saying about history is that we're still in that phase of history and like marxism is all about trying to push us maybe to the next phase at some point but like who knows how the fuck got that's gonna happen but we're still living in an individualized world which is like a unique blip in history kind of and for that reason your music is like a novel you know it is a fucking intense story it's like reading the great gatsby or something and understanding like <laughs> on, i'm fucking serious <laughs> get out of here <laughs> i mean <laughs> Maybe that's a lofty comparison, <laughs> but it's not an equation. It's a comparison. That's going on the poster. <laughs> It's—I mean, what is this fucking Great Gatsby? It's a story about a guy and his like dreams and ambitions, and maybe it's reflective of society on some level. But it's mostly an individual story that happens between a few people, and those things are not wrong. Like that's like kind of the—that's the art of the times that we live in, and that's. It's really, um, you know, it, it reflects our lives because we are, by nature of being in the bourgeois phase of history, we are all individuals. And there, you might make some crazy galaxy brain argument that, like, if we ever achieved communism and we all kind of were, like, more of a collective, we might not, not produce and vibe with stories that are that individualized. But, you know, who knows? That might be true. It might not. Um, but, like... That's, uh, fuck, I had another thing. I think I lost my thread there.
0: <laughs> well, hi. Uh, as many of you know, I've been very reluctant to start a podcast. It feels a little bit like uh, the MLM art form, sort of like it's the emotional equivalent. Me urging you to listen to my podcast is the emotional equivalent of uh, trying to sell you Amway. Um... But since I have you here, let me try and sell you something else. um, Obviously, the podcast doesn't make any money and hopefully never will. Um, But it gives me an opportunity to shill for the other... Uh, the other things that I do that I have been doing that I continue to do, um, I have t-shirts, records, CDs, does anybody listen to CDs anymore? I don't, um, the, I, do you need a car, a guitar? I'll sell you anything. Um, but I also want to sell you my book. I just self-published a collection. It's sort of the 10 year collection of all my best-selling Kindle singles, um, that I published with Amazon and, uh, I will One by one, I'm going to read you the blurbs off the back of the book. Uh, today, of course, we're going to feature a blurb by my friend, Josh Mallerman, New York Times bestselling author of Bird Box and Pearl. Mishka Shibali loves existence as much as he loathes it. For this, we get the grunge and the glory, the funny and the fear. There's a sense here that Shibali took the stairs to life's basement, touched the concrete floor to be sure he knew where it was before beginning the magnificent climb up, often laughing at his own propensities, full of grit, guts, spirit, and truth. Is there a better storyteller than the one who has lived as many lives as this? You will relish the spectrum, the gamut, the life Mishka Shabali has lived. Josh, such a beautiful blurb. Thank you. Um, If you're listening, please buy a copy of the book. Uh, You can find me on all over social media i'm at mishka shabali on instagram twitter uh facebook uh it's 30 bucks postage paid in the u.s send it to me through venmo cash app paypal carrier pigeon you get the deal the i was thinking that like the the structure of a novel that um You know, a group of characters or one family um, matters more than all the surrounding, um, the the surrounding sort of characters, the 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 audience, the or you know, just the the group, the mass, the the people represented by uh, circles with the little shoulder things, Uh and not actual characters. um, That you can see that as very classist. You know, that like, is there a is there a communist novel where every character is equal? Well, I guess that's what I'm
1: saying is that like, what that's what Kim Stanley Robinson says he's doing or attempting or whatever for okay. that reason. But it's weird because I don't think it's wrong to like indulge in individualized like art though like this is also something that's come up with um there's a really great pamphlet i like this is one of the things that kind of radicalized me early on in my life this is anarchist there's this anarchist pamphlet (laughs) by um, jack chick it's like no it's not a (laughs) chick track it's like a it's like a zine um it's called um abolishing restaurants i think and they just talk about what a restaurant is and how it is related to capitalism and like how it came about historically the idea of this individualized experience where you go into a restaurant someone serves you you know it's all to make money to benefit the person that owns the restaurant and stuff like that and they're they're on every corner in our world that we live in and it is like i was reading about it and i was talking about it i was like you know in theory if we ever changed the world to make everything more like equitable and fair this might go away but you know what i love Going to Outback Steakhouse, like <laughs> I, I, there's a common misconception among like leftists that we're like, you know, only eat gruel and are like trying to change the world by like not participating in it. I just under uh, to me, this is all just about understanding the world. But I love like I love going to restaurants. I love reading novels. I love all of this stuff, and it, there's a reason that it's all so popular in like in the, our reality that we're laboring under right now or whatever. Um I don't think it's bad. I think it's just
0: interesting to like to know why, you know. I have I have such a weird relationship with America because the I mean because I'm not from here and it and it, I mean I think people would be like oh you know, because I'm, I'm white and I'm Canadian that it, you know, that I don't have an immigrant experience or whatever, but the, but you internalize it, that feeling of like, well, I don't,
1: the kids at school would make fun of your all denim tuxedo and everything.
0: (laughs) You come from a culture of all (laughs) denim tuxedos. Don't fuck with me, man. When the the Mexicans and Canadians get together in the tuxedo wars, America will fall. (laughs) Fucking denim on denim to the future. Motherfuckers. Yeah, no, that's how we do it. The, um, but you know but it's something that you internalize the that um i'm not from here or i, I don't belong here you know i mean we talked about uh rod serling the um from uh, twilight zone and uh jews be not being considered white until uh-huh. after world war 2 and then how his anxiety of not belonging or being found out is um per- pervasive in twilight zone which f- Kind of feels like a weird curse, like okay, we're gonna take your anxiety and enact it in a very popular TV show, uh night after night, so everybody yeah. gets to live your nightmares. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, what'd you find though? You found a lot of people could relate, even if they weren't exactly the same, you know, experience or whatever. Yeah. Because um, that was also true for a lot of other groups, and I don't know, the stories are just well crafted. Um. I don't know. It's interesting, you know. I, I want to go back to something I was just thinking. Yeah, about. yeah, yeah. This is what I lost. So I get accused of being overly political, you know, and like, uh, and I can't can't not think the way I do and stuff. But I actually part of the reason I'm so actively into reading like history and theory and stuff at this point in my life is because I think um, most other, especially comics. Even if they deny, like, oh, you know, comedy is just about making people laugh and it's not about this, you know, the meanings of, you know, reality in the world and whatever. It's not political. I think they're lying. They don't understand that what's happening is that they still are engaging in trying to explain a lot of things about society. Because, like, a lot of these guys, um, I guess my grand theory of everything is religion doesn't work anymore you know it's a vestigial organ that kind of fell off for most people and so we exist especially under capitalism and what it does to you in like a meaningless reality and so we need to come up with explanations for stuff that isn't a uh, god you know so and i mean like i traveling around the country right now seeing people that just work working like gas stations and stuff i'm like yeah i would lose my mind with meaninglessness and like on we if i had these jobs out here but this is what everyone does this is mostly what people's lives are they're just kind of like characters speckled into the random empty vastness of this country and so if you talk to somebody long enough uh, for me like talking to somebody long enough after a show about comedy they'll start to get into like this thing where they go, oh, but isn't everyone coming for comedians? And isn't there this cancel culture and all this stuff? And I go, this is what happens to your brain if you don't eat your vegetables and read your history and read like, the theory and stuff. You will start trying to make sense of the world without actually like having invested any time into like the tools that will actually help you do that. And you'll start coming up with these lazy explanations, which is how we get conspiracy theorists and fucking qanon and maga people and all this stuff there are there's a lot of money to be made in like being a huckster and selling people explanations about why they don't feel good inside and why their lives didn't turn out the way they did and stuff like that and i think that the antidote to that is reading history in a way that is uh, also like not going to be taught to you in schools because schools are for making workers and they're for they're not for making people that understand that capitalism is wrong. They're for making people that support it and stuff, because we, you know, live in America. We live in the imperialist core. So like I, I I don't actually think that people can turn their brains off. I think what they're doing is they're turning them into passive mode, which then just makes you susceptible to becoming an angry person who uh you know is a useful idiot for some rich person. And that's like where most people are.
0: What? Well, I... I think I have ideological differences with some of the things you said cuz the I I I don't think that it's I mean I I mean maybe, maybe like maybe you could say that it's laziness but it also it's like um it, to to understand like bluetooth technology or something like yeah you could read a bunch of like I don't I don't know fucking is Omni still a magazine or like, I don't know. I don't know where somebody would learn what Bluetooth is and how it works. But Occam's razor says that the simplest explanation is that it's black magic. (laughs) and and that's and occam's razor is like um that's sound logic yeah the and i would also i would disagree that uh conspiracy theorists are lazy because if you think about conspiracy theories some of them are fucking amazing (laughs) i was thinking thinking about this on the way down here is that i was like the i was like well you know i mean Uh, Jake's in Arizona. I, I, you know, the, I'm ostensibly hosting him in my state. What do I, the, I can't like bring him some of our local produce of like methamphetamine. The, but, um, but I was like, oh, maybe we can talk about like what your favorite conspiracy theory is. And then I got thinking about what, you know, conspiracy theories and like the, dude, if they were true and if the like, um, if the the Democratic Party was just like pedophiles, like harvesting <laughs> children for uh, their fucking adrenal glands, and the um and the COVID was actually made in a lab, this world would be so much more interesting. Well, yeah, <laughs> <Like that. laughs> and I and now and then I maybe uh, you know maybe the dry was too long and I like then became <laughs> sympathetic to because I was like. Well, fuck, maybe I can get in because that (laughs) that sounds way more interesting than just like reading um, the NIBH scientific papers about uh, fucking vitamin D and hospitalization. And, you know, science is far less interesting than than just uh, fucking batshit crazy conspiracy theories.
1: well that's why they're so attractive yeah because they're easier than i guess this is why i would call people like lazy for getting into them but also i I, to your point like you know i am kind of angrily stomping around the country going you dumb asses you all fucking believed a thing but like not everyone had the history teacher at my magnet high school who gave me a copy of Howard Zinn's book when I graduated who helped me not become like this and like everything is set up for you to believe conspiracy theories instead of the truth because the truth is what eventually leads you to linking arms with your friend and looking at the boss and going we're gonna overthrow this shit so on some level I I, sometimes I think I'm too mean to people because I'm like it's not your fault that you were led astray everything was designed that way you know
0: i'm just thinking that it was like a howard's in book that then you open it up and the pages are cut out and there's like uh to hold a thing of poppers and <laughs> <laughs> some, some whippets <laughs> yeah this is why i'm so into reading <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. It's what uh well that stuff'll radicalize you too, you know. <laughs> Cuz uh, eventually you have to have a conversation with people about poppers and old chairman wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. The um what else? What else? What else? The I what are you doing when this is all over? I'm I'm <laughs> so I you know, I'm glad that this has gone well, and I'm glad that you're okay. And I, I felt like uh, a combination of relief and disappointment, where you sort of when you sort of like bounced off the bus today, and you didn't look like a zombie, and you didn't you didn't look <laughs> completely defeated. Um, so let's. So let's talk about the depression that you're going to go through. <laughs> when if it died. makes
1: you feel any better. I the middle of this tour was a fucking gauntlet and we were all dying and shit and like it was horrible for a while. It's just weird because I think usually I maybe it's just my body is used to touring for a maximum of 3 weeks and it's like that was the end. You die at the end, right? And now we're just <laughs> still on tour and I feel better. Yeah.
0: The, I, I was definitely like, um, sort of waiting for the podcast to update and the, and Louisa always sounds like, so, um, I mean, even when she, she's angry, she sounds chipper and like upbeat about it. The, and she would be like, how are you doing Jake? And you would be like, I'm fine. (laughs) It's like, and the pause between the inhalation of breath and the response just got longer and longer for a while there. And, uh. The, that brought brought me great. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I like. Honestly, think I have like lost my voice because I am yelling these sets because it's rowdy, fucking you know rock show shit. And just and chain-smoking cigarettes and stuff. You and, have to
0: yell to be heard over the sound of smashing watermelons. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have no new respect for that man after touring <laughs> at this level. Oh, my God. You, you know, just the amount of physical work that's got to go into swinging that sledgehammer
0: over and over again? Dude, I, I used to think that, like... Um metal bands were just so fucking corny where they're like you know running from this spot to this spot to this spot and like the and now thinking about it i'm like man that is so much work oh yeah the like just fucking respect you know like bon jovi coming up and fucking doing high kicks every night and like the um yeah i don't know i wish i had that guy's (laughs) jeans (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah i know i know i'm just doing jokes and i'm like You know, give me a towel when I get off stage or whatever. But, like, um, yeah, I mean, also, you know, there is something so fun about touring with people outside of your bubble a little bit because you... I, I now have a vast amount of respect for, like, the drummer from Eve 6 who I had no idea how talented he was and just how much work goes into that and stuff. And, uh, you know, and I'd like to think that it's it goes both ways and that these people understand what I'm doing. But I kind of think there's actually a problem with stand up where, like, if you do it really well, you don't look like you're doing anything. And so people don't understand (laughs) that.
0: Yeah. The my friend Tim Kreider is a great writer and he he writes just incredibly sort of fluid stuff. The and I asked him at one point, um, uh, is it does it just like fucking roll off your tongue the way that it appears on the page? And he looked at me like I'd slapped his mother. Yeah. And he was like, Mishka, go fuck yourself. You know better. (laughs) The I was like, Yeah, the if you know, if it looks like if it looks like I'm not trying, it's because I'm trying incredibly hard and that like I put so much fucking work into into make it's it's so hard to make it look effortless. Yeah. That's
1: true of a lot of things. I think I just I think I've maybe I'm just being self-indulgent, but I think it's just extra true of stand-up because if you do a really good job, you have all these people come up to you afterwards and going like, ah oh, man, I should do that. And you're like Why did what I just did make you think you could do that? Oh, because you were having a fun time and watching along and pretending I was you or me, like doing all the things and getting all the jokes. But like, I don't know. I mean, I think like I was talking to somebody on the show the other night about this, and I think they understood what I was saying, which is that like. If they had booked another comedian, they might not have that person might have just gone up and done their 15 minutes for each set not had it go well, be angry at the audience, and then that's it. And that's like probably pretty common. Like I don't I don't think that I to pat myself on the back here, what I do is adapt to shit like this. Yeah. The And like I think that they get that. Cause like we we've been talking and like I think everyone genuinely understands like what I'm explaining about the shows. And they're all also like I don't know, I've had weird interactions in this tour where, like, I'll be talking to a sound guy about, like, how I need to be able to be heard over conversations. And then, like, some guy at the fucking show in Chicago was, like, I didn't even understand what he was saying. But he was, like, yeah, so I turned on this fucking compressor and then I did this. And you know how things sound on Netflix specials where they're like this? What I did to you. And I was, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But you (laughs) did that, didn't you? And it fucking (laughs) made me... Project all the way to the back of the room, and it made this whole thing work. So, like, I do feel, like, um, really grateful because you hear nightmare stories about people on tours where they're all fighting with each other and ODing on drugs and fucking each other and stuff. And right now, I think I'm in a, a group where there's a lot of mutual respect. And I think mostly if I think things like, oh, they don't understand how hard I'm working, that's just me being low on the totem pole and neurotic and waking up every day and like thinking, is everyone mad at me? And then realizing like, no, they're very psyched about what's happening. And
0: it's such a weird fucking ecosystem, like, um, being on the road. And then the, the hierarchy of where you land on the bill, whether you're going first or second and the, you know, your direct support or you're the local opener or whatever the, um, I was thinking about this because, uh, Um, James Johnston was the, uh, do you know who he is? Is The writer? He's a, the, um, he's a musician. Uh, the, so he, uh, he was the singer and the guitar player in a band called gallon drunk in the nineties, which uh, very small band and people who, um, uh, people only feel two ways about that band either you have no idea who they are or you fucking love them okay right they're one of those like you get it or you don't bands yeah the and then he went on to uh to play guitar for Nick Cave oh wow which is like a fucking amazing gig you know the um do you know the dirty 3 no dirty 3 amazing fucking like um just rip out your heart three piece um instrumental band from the 90s uh, violin, guitar, and drums, no vocals. Um, and that was Warren Ellis, who's now in Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Okay. Um, then uh, Jim Sklavunos was in The Cramps, Sonic Youth, Lydia Lunch, uh, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks. Um, uh, did I say Sonic Youth already? You know, he plays drums for Nick Cave now. Yeah. You know, so there's the um, Kid Congo Powers, you know, was in uh, Gun Club. The, and he does his own thing now. You know, he played uh, guitar for Nick Cave. So it's so Nick Cave is Nick Cave, right? The fucking the king of cool, you yeah. know? And, the and like, everybody loves Nick Cave now. The um, And f- fuck all y'all. You should have be been listening in the early 90s when I was. <laughs> the, but um, so many of these um, musicians, artists, have gone from being uh, the front man, the, the big dog in their own bands... Um, to very small groups of people, to being um, one of the bad seeds or one of the dudes in Grinder Man. Interesting. And the, and infinitely more successful now. Um, but also, there's no more Gallon Drunk. Right. There's no more Dirty Three. Like, I love those bands. I love Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. They made too many records. But the, uh, but still, you know, a great band, a phenomenal band, but the it's, so it's one of those things of, um, you and I have had the fortune to, and also had the challenge of learning to play all those different roles of being the, uh, sometimes you're the headliner and sometimes you just go last, (laughs) you know, the, sometimes you're the, um, who said that <laughs> it was uh it was copernicus it was dj copernicus the, um but <laughs> the a, a notorious self tickler <laughs> but you have to sort of develop and cultivate these different skills in your life you know of you know me having been a writer um in my past life of sort of like writing my own books and then now working doing more Editor stuff and also working as a teacher, it's it's like you have to use three different brains to do those things. Yeah, you know, one where you're the front person and you're just myopically focused on yourself and um, do these jeans make my ass look good or whatever, and then um, to be an editor where where you're like um, a side person you're like the bass player in the band or you're, I mean, it sounds like what you're doing on this tour of, um, uh, Hey folks, let's start the show. And then here's the next band to the next band. Um, and then, uh, being, uh, being a teacher where none of it is about me and the, and that's how I'm saying, um, the next thing for you when you get back to New York will be when you start your comedy classes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! If there there's a way to do that without it being a
1: pyramid scheme, I like I, I'm not against the idea of teaching things I know, but it, like every comedy teacher I've ever met is a fucking con artist, just by nature of charging money or something. I don't know. Maybe this is more like a trade or something where we all just like apprentice under each other and learn these skills. I don't know. When I do get back, though, to answer your question, I am going to lay down for a long time and then get depressed, and I might write a book. I'm not sure. But I don't know what (laughs) – This is the biggest thing I've ever done career-wise, and I literally don't know what happens after this because of the specific way that I've decided to uh, speak in my career and stuff. Like, I literally – Like, somebody was telling me the other day – that they work at a comedy club in New York, and they saw me, and or their their friend who works at the club saw me, and then went to the club and was like, "I saw this great comedian. <laughs> you ever think about booking this guy?" And the owner of the club fucking hates me, and was like, <laughs> "Flores, <laughs> you know." So like that's
0: off the. That's not happening, you know. It's it's like you inverted it though, for, instead of career suicide to suicide career, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think you're going to do great things, Jake. The um, and and let that be the most fucked up thing I'll say to you, though. <laughs> no, I I really I, I honestly do. I mean, I I really think that um, you know this tour was one of those things that um, you know, just because you said it, it doesn't mean it's untrue. You're one of the o- the only people we know who could do this, who could have done this, who who came with. Um, who came with this sort of like bag of tricks and the ability to, um, to study each night, to learn each night, to adapt each night and not get um, too frustrated or too discouraged in the first uh, four or five shows and be like, well, what the fuck? I'm just gonna, the, I'm just gonna do my shit, you know, and fuck these people, you know, that um, you, that's the tricky thing about being a comic. I think is that you have to be like listening as you're talking yeah and the so i mean i think you're one of the few people who could do this and the the fucking bad news is that you did it and now the sky's the limit you know (laughs) yeah i don't know i think whatever the fuck i do next is gonna
1: have to i'm gonna have to get really creative with maybe making it myself but i mean that's nothing new and uh you know what else would be really funny is if we did this podcast and you just said all that stuff and then I just ate shit tonight.
0: The Well I think we have time to for you to go drown in the pool and just make miss your miss the last three days of the tour. And those are his final words. That'd be we, awesome. Well, I know that uh I know that Murray's gonna be really happy to see you. Oh, I miss Murray. The, That's my uh, cat. Oh, uh last uh my last note on this um is the one of my uh, one of my having listened to a, a ton of your podcasts recently because I have no real friends anymore. Yeah. the <laughs> One of the things that annoys me the most is when you say things like uh, what you need to understand is. And so I get a particular joy in my heart when Louisa says, no, Jake, what you need to understand is. And then she does the same thing to you that you do to me and uh is that what you're getting out of this podcast i've been
1: I've, I've been thinking about this and i've been thinking you know i feel like i spent a lot of time in a van with my friend mishka and tried to explain some of these ideas <laughs> and yet it took listening to Louisa yell her counterpoint at me to make a believer out of you um (laughs) why is that maybe it just is maybe it's more fun to hear (laughs) maybe it's cathartic because you get to uh vicariously yell at me
0: in the process i don't know well i mean i i do i do believe in the power of dialogue and i and i um and one of the things that i love about um why you mad is that um i I'm i'm not I'm not a fucking reader anymore I'm not very politic- you know super politically engaged um and and Louisa is she's read a ton the she she cares um she's super smart and so it's it's like you guys are equally matched opponents so th- I feel like there there you know gets to be a higher level of discourse than just you and I talking in the van and me going, huh, let me think about that yeah, um, and then I also think too that like when we've been in the van like a lot of times we're just talking about like Man, I got dumped and it sucks. <laughs> yeah, the Great Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, let's uh let's um let's wrap this up and uh go jump in the pool if we have time and then go to the show. The um any any final words? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Just tell
1: my family I love them very much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Am I about to die? (laughs) (laughs) We we all are. Uh, No, um, I'll do plugs. uh, Listen to... The podcast we've been talking about, Mishka's favorite show, <laughs> I do with my friend Luisa Diaz, Why You Mad, where me and her yell at each other about stand-up comedy and movies and theory and history and things. Um, we do yell at each other. It's like, I, that's, <laughs> I think that's why it's fun. is because we actually fight with each other. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my other one's Pod Damn America. If you're a leftist political nerd, I do it with a couple other comics who are into left shit. And, um... Yeah, I don't know. See me next year when I open for Third Eye Blind or something weird like that. (laughs) I don't really know how this stuff keeps happening. Uh, Come to my show in New York. It's called Meat Space. It's at the
0: gutter. I post about it on Twitter. That's all I got going on right now. I think my plugs are uh, listen to this podcast. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell somebody. If you haven't listened to Why You Mad, please go and listen to Why You Mad. It's, it, it really is fucking great. And the, I feel like it saved me the last uh, six months. Um, I will be in New York uh, from June 27th to July 12th. And I'm, I think Louisa um, has a show happening in that window. And I will hopefully be there. Hopefully you have a show then, too. Um, Hell, yeah. But that's it. Um, uh, have Have a great show tonight, Jake. I hope everything goes great. I hope nothing goes horribly wrong tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah. I. You know, I mean, a wise man once said, I never had to knock on wood. And uh, I wouldn't if I could. I can't remember how that song goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're out. Mishka
0: Shibali is catching up with friends who are arguably more talented than him. Hey, we're going to jump in here with a quick word of thanks to our corporate sponsor. Oh, what's that? We're... This podcast is not sponsored by Squarespace. Yes, that's right. This is a uh, totally independent, um, no no Exxon money. Um, Oh, Christ. Uh, This is an independent podcast. We don't do second takes on bogus commercials. Please uh, rate, review, subscribe, post your... uh, your heartwarming compliments on the uh, Apple podcast app and spread the word. Thank you.